Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It's Mike show. You might be mocking me or you might be staunchly agreeing with me. I can't tell. I'm mocking you. And the Bulldog. What is Fozzie uh, Bear's role in this production? On WGR Sports Radio 550. Bulldog is on his way home. Just heard from him. Let's not tell him. 3 o'clock tomorrow. Welcome back. It's time for the reverse AFC power rankings. Come on. There's been some movement. Derek Carr has left the AFC. I'm sure we can figure out a way to strategize that information. Bad news for Zach, uh, Geno Smith is re-signing in Seattle. So your third-round pick in the quarterback carousel draft of of Drew Locke taking over for Geno, it's not going to happen now. Well, the NFL hates fun. We all knew that, so it's okay. Three years, $105 million. Maybe that's just the plan is to have him back up Drew Locke at $35 million a year. How about that? Geno Smith just signed a one hundred five million dollar NFL contract is that not the best oh my god like he probably made pretty good money he was a well he wasn't even a first round pick as we know so he did, didn't make very good money what did he what has Geno Smith made in his career is he going to make more next year than his entire career already it's got to be 35 it's awesome I mean, that was a great story. Did he win Comeback Player of the Year? He did, right, Gino? Yes, I believe so. Which, say what you want, like it's not a great award. How do you decide what is a comeback? There were injured guys like Saquon Barkley in consideration, and then you have Geno Smith who was not injured. Like, what did he come back from? He was there. And (laughs) I remember talking about this maybe the day of the awards, and a guy called up, and it was a fair point. He's like, don't you have to have been, like, really good? first to come back and like you were down and then you're back up like what was his peak before last year it kind of did slow down for Gino in in the end but here I I talked about this before and lines are open for you at 803-0550 I mean the the, uh, Sabres play tonight we've got pregame at 630 but I'm so geeked for all this football stuff with player signings and we just had the combine that's over the draft will just be every day and the league year starting next week, the franchise tag deadline tomorrow. There'll be news every day. Like this, March is when, I think, is when last year Russell Wilson got traded, Tyreek Hill got traded, Devontae Adams. Like this this time of year, it's, it could be really exciting. The thing about the draft, so you have four quarterbacks that have really sort of, I think, 
announce themselves, so to speak, as high picks. Bryce Young is probably still the favorite to be 101. C.J. Stroud was right there with him. Ohio State, Young from Alabama. Will Levis of Kentucky, not everybody's favorite, but big talent. And also Anthony Richardson out of Florida, who is probably the most talked about player of the weekend. And so I said earlier, it's funny, I saw a tweet that also said this very thing, like that's probably four top ten picks. And what is one thing that's really interesting about this draft, the way it's setting up, first of all, of course, it starts at one with Chicago at one, not needing any of these quarterbacks, assuming they're going with Justin Fields, which everybody thinks they are, and how, so it, it'll be a trade probably for one of these guys. And the the Bears GM even said, I think it was Ryan Poles who said, like, one of the teams we're talking with is way down the list. Like, it's not somebody like Indianapolis, say, at four, or the Raiders at seven. But you have at five and six, the Seahawks and the Lions. So does this Geno Smith contract take Seattle out of quarterback consideration at five? I guess we have to call Brad back so we can tell Brad, we have to call Brad back so we can tell me if the third year is a void year or just what it is, like, how long is it likely from this deal for Geno Smith to be on the field? It might be like the car contract is the fourth year is what he calls a void year. Like, you know, he's probably not going to be there, but um, it's a four-year contract. So really it's not. And so is Geno Smith going to be there for three years? Is it going to be two? If it's three, let's say you knew it was three years, you're not drafting Anthony Richardson to have him sit for three years. Only Green Bay would do that. Like You're, you're not going to do that. So if it's two, though, maybe you could. This guy, did you see it? Like, arm strength, accuracy in the workouts. Say what you want. Speed and just size. He's 6'4". He's big. Richardson, really interesting. Like, another one of these super, if you will, raw uh, prospect types, but the talent is just incredible. So Seattle at five, Detroit at six, Goff. I don't know Goff's contract, but he did well. They were one win from the playoffs, really close. And maybe they could justify drafting someone too. And both teams that had good seasons, like were they not, I mean, Seattle was in the playoffs, Detroit was right there, like winning records, odd for teams to have such high picks in that situation but just it's kind of a lucky thing they both traded their quarterbacks away two teams that had awful years I mean with Detroit and Stafford it was the second year after a Super Bowl win but that's they still had the the first and with the Seahawks is Russell Wilson and Denver of course and so Denver's pick is Seattle's the Rams pick is Detroit if Denver had the fifth overall pick they could take one of these quarterbacks and, and use it to, you know, to as insurance for Wilson. I mean, they wouldn't have to. That would be really interesting, wouldn't it? If Denver had that pick, like, would Denver, would you expect Denver to draft a quarterback to go with Wilson? They probably should. But, you know, some teams wouldn't because they wouldn't like the message it was sending to their, their starter. Am I your guy or not? You know, all that sort of stuff. And maybe the Rams would be the same thing. At six, well, you know, so might Detroit and Seattle be the same things if um, 
if that's what happens. We'll see if quarterback ends up happening there. But you're going to have one at one. It just won't be the Bears. You'll have one at, depending on who they trade with. You'll you'll have, if without a trade without a trade you'd have quarterbacks at two and four, and then maybe five, maybe six, I think seven with the Raiders. And let's see, maybe eight Atlanta, maybe nine Carolina, and then it's Philly and Tennessee. Four, it's not four top ten picks, it's four top eight or nine picks, I think. Tennessee at 11. Well, got to pace myself. End of April is the draft. Uh, so we don't, have to, we don't have to talk about all this right now. Lines open at 803-0550. Mike Shope here, Bulldog, is off, and he'll be back tomorrow. So one of these guys from the combine, I'm in these drafts already. You know, I'm kind of a sicko. And I'm drafting, it's called a slow draft in fantasy, where you get two hours to make a pick. They have six hours and I guess even 24 hours. But this is a this is a uh, a slow draft where you're on the clock for two hours. And I ended up with the first pick, so my picks are like back-to-back. And I just was dumb. I was watching a movie with my wife and daughter and also on my phone a little bit. And I saw it was my turn. I'm like, I got two hours, but I hate to make anybody wait. So even when it's totally normal to use your time, I'm like, no, I got to get this, get this done. And I knew not to do this, but we'll see what happens. One of these uh, rookies that I've read a lot of good things about is a receiver. Maybe he'd be somebody in the conversation for the Bills. His name is Kayshawn Boutte of LSU. I guess he was a little bit inconsistent. Maybe some off-the-field questions with Boutte from LSU. But um, on my little prep chart here, I was up. It's the 13th round, and he was available. You're drafting rookies. And I like the idea of drafting rookies mid to late because I think there's really good value in them, like the right situation. They could end up being league winners. So I went ahead and clicked Kayshawn Boutte, and then as soon as I did it, I thought, you know what? I didn't check to see how we did at the Combine. That was today. Saturday was wide receivers. And so wouldn't you know it, did you did you see him or hear about this? Like he went and posted some of the worst physical, time, like the time, but the jump. He was like the, the shortest vertical jump, and he just like sort of bombed at the Combine. So I, I didn't see this. I'm just looking at Twitter, reading reaction to it, and the consensus was like, yep, day three. Like this poor guy... You ever think about like just how much can be on the line in that one run or that one jump or two? You get two takes at it, right? At the combine, you ever think about like how much might be on the line for these guys? So this guy might have gone from late first round at the at the earliest to day three by not you know uh, jumping higher by just sort of bombing at the combine. Anyway, it's I bombed on the pick. All right, let's go to Rich here. Hi, Rich. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Okay. Hey, so I'm a little late to the party, but we were talking about Stephon Diggs, so I apologize for that. But, um, you know, that you, you kind of made the point already, but I just really want to emphasize it. Is he was The thing that worries me the most is that he was doing that, and I love Stephon Diggs, by the way. Like, I don't want him traded. I was glad we got him. All the stuff you said, I couldn't agree with more. But he was doing that stuff long before the sideline meltdown. I mean, he started doing it a little bit in weeks leading up to the game. Um, you know, at the Lions game, I remember him kind of making some hand gestures and whatnot, but 
you know, most notably in that last game against the Bengals. I mean, what was it? I think I think he said it was the third play from scrimmage. Yep. You know, he's gesturing to Josh Allen and giving him hell. Doesn't even know that he's on his back when he throws the ball. And then um, doing it again, there was like a, I want to say it was like a third and nine. Josh Allen threw like a, maybe like a little hitch to him or something like that. You know, he's posturing to him to like get the ball up and stuff like that. And I get it. I mean, he might see something that Josh don't or something, but, you know, he was doing that long before the meltdown. And I think context is important when we're talking about this stuff. So, you know, I love, I love digs and everything, but I, I just, I do not like this. And I think you summed it up the best by saying like, why is it always this extremes of like, would you rather him be competitive or would you rather have like, why does it have to be just two choices? Why is it binary? Why can't I just like want my captain and star receiver to be a good team guy and mature and handle situations uh, kind of the way that Allen did in that moment or, you know, something comparable, um, but certainly not that. And he had to have known that that was going to go viral and, and it was going to be made up to be way more of a deal. Than it, was, uh, than it had to be. And he's been in the league long enough. He, he knew what he was doing, I think, in that moment. Well, he didn't care, I guess, enough. Like, oh, thanks, Rich. Um, I don't mean that, like, to, as an insult or a criticism. Like, he just didn't, he, he made it. Of course, he, he knows. He's been in the league a long time. And I think at the same time, if this is not true of Diggs, I feel like maybe it is. I don't know him. But I think at the same time, he's somebody who loves the attention but maybe doesn't always love what it leads to. Like, so you you do that on the field, and of course you know he would know that there would be reaction to it because everything he does gets a reaction, and this is sort of out of line. So you would know that, but you know you don't really have to own it. At least in the public sphere, you don't really have to own it. You might have to own it in the locker room or with the, your teammates, you know, or with your your boss. You, you might have to own it there, or maybe not. Maybe you just, you know, it's not gonna, I'm Stefan Diggs, it's not going to be a problem. And then you go as far as to kind of like criticize people who are judging you. And that's really where I sort of <laughs> lose respect, I guess. But yeah, I mean, Rich sort of, as he said he was doing, he reflected what, what my problem is with it, which is really just more the the way it's defended is to say that if you... If you look at that, why it's good, even let alone okay, why it's good, is that it shows how competitive and how badly he wants to win. Like even Brandon Bean, I'm sure Sean McDermott, it's the company line when a guy just loses his loses control like that, even toward a teammate or a coach. It's the company line is to say, well, it just means he's competitive, but it necessarily demeans everybody else on the team who has that self-control in that moment and is probably the same kind of frustrated but just doesn't embarrass anybody. Like, that's what bothers me is why why can't it why, – why do we so just easily leave out the 99% of guys who care desperately to win, including, like, the people who are saying the defense, like probably Bean and McDermott. You don't see McDermott flip out, right? Like, imagine if you did. He flips out. The only time you'd ever see him sort of lose his control, self-control, is toward an official. But imagine if he did that on a player or something like that, or an assistant. You'd never see him do that. Does that mean he's not competitive? Of course not. So why do people do it? I don't know. It's not necessarily that they've thought it all through, but because they're fans. And I don't know that fans of other teams would defend Diggs the same way, but if he's on your team, when he played for Minnesota, Minnesota fans would have defended him like this when that happened. The same thing. It's just obvious 
it, it doesn't really it doesn't really seem to reflect any thought. It's just like, well, this is my team, so this is what you say. Whether you're just a fan rooting for it or whether you're the general manager, like, you know. But what's what's real? Like, what would you want? You'd want guys to not to show each other more respect than that, and be competitive, be the great player you are. You know, is it easy to say? Is it easier to say? Everything's easier to say. I mean, you can guys like this, you know, and this is a this is cool. This is good. They draw like this this kind of rage. Diggs is a player who plays almost in a rage. It seems the way he works guys on the other team. You know, I'm thinking of the Monday night Tennessee game where he just was unstoppable. And right away in this game, what was the game where you saw, was it Cincinnati? Or what was the game? Bulldog, I'm thinking of him mentioning it, but now I'm forgetting which game it is where like right away you saw him just take on, you saw it a lot, where he would catch a short pass and just take on a defender two or three yards downfield. Like I'm not stepping out of bounds, I'm going through you. Like he, So he's... Somebody, we all love this and appreciate it. Like, he's somebody that has a certain level of, I don't know, not a bad thing, but hostility on the field that that fuels him. Good thing. Because I think he would say, anybody would say, that's part of what makes him great. But every you want to have limits. You know, you want to have, if, if you're running the team, or coaching the team, the quarterback of the team, you want there to sort of be kind of like everybody sort of knows where the line is. I guess you could argue that he didn't cross it, but I don't know. Like it just was weird that the third play of this game, the third play of that Bengals game was a deep ball where Allen's getting hit, rolling left, and Diggs is like, no, put it here. He puts his arm, his uh, hands out. So anyway, I think I've said all, all, too much already. I, I – want to make the point like come on it doesn't have to just be no problem when a guy does that you know you wouldn't say that about your kids necessarily you wouldn't say that about guys on the dolphins but you know you want to defend the bills so that's i get it but neither do i want to sort of make like have it be i'm not assuming anything about like what that means to the present or the future not that's not why we're into this really at all not saying like you have a real problem ongoing with him I just want to be real about what what it was and point out because so many people seem to not ever say it. Like, you can really care, really want to compete and win and not do stuff like that. You know, there there are these people. Not only are there, that's most people in the league. That's most people on the Bills. Rob is next. Hi, Rob. Hey, Mike. uh, Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I tweeted at you. I... I have to disagree just a little bit. The only the only reason I'm not trying to be a Bills homer or anything like that or Stephon Diggs apologist. My thing is that, you know, these guys, they go over the scripts and different things like that. Leading up to that game, you know, he had had some low target games. And obviously he wants to be a part of the offense. He wants to be, um, you know, involved early on in the game. And, and I think that that's a good idea. I want to have him involved and, and have him a part of the offense. I think that he provides and his role for the offense is to provide that juice and different things like that. And and if you notice, Josh Allen didn't even acknowledge him when he went off, you know, because it could have been a chance where maybe he was complaining about the fact that on that particular play, third play of the game, you know, Josh was supposed to look here and he didn't look here or he didn't look there. Like, we don't know because we're on the outside. So I just sometimes I just cringe when I hear, you know, a little bit of the criticism of him throwing a tantrum or things like that because I just feel like there's there's so many more layers that we don't know 
in respects to what's going on in the day to day leading up to the game day. And I just, I, it's not, I'm not excusing his behavior, but in the same sense, I think he provides something a little bit different. We have to remember that he was voted the captain two years in a row by his peers, not by the media, not by us as fans, but by you know the guys that go to work with him every day. Yep. Sure. Okay. People change, though. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean this is a cliffhanger. You know, welcomes do get worn out, whether that's happening here or not. Right? Like in the, in the beginning, it's everybody, come on, I don't have to explain it. <laughs> Years go by. It, look, I, I'm not directly saying that on him. It's just a lot of different, a lot of, a lot of different contexts here. I got to get out for the pregame show, but this Bills moment is different than last year, and it's different than the year before that. It has, even with crushing playoff losses to Kansas City the previous two years, it has kind of been a joy ride the following off season anyway. Oh, the draft, great. That, that's cool. We don't really need anything. Like, last year, what, what if any anxiety was there about anything last off season? This is not, not, not even necessarily going to last for a day or anything. Just It's just a topic of conversation. But this one, bad loss to a team not named the Kansas City Chiefs in their own stadium, and like the Diggs stuff is kind of like the picture next to the article about where we're at here with the Bills, where like it was all well and good, and now in terms of this or just other things about what they what their flaws are, you know, now the cap, like it's going to be harder to do this, and now Allen's making $40 million instead of whatever. Like certain things are different, and the mood is different. I think the fan general mood about them is different. And we've said that many times. I've thought that for a long time here. Once they lost to the Bengals, like you're not you're not going to want to hear Super Bowl favorite anymore. You know, shove it with your Super Bowl favorite. They were that last year and maybe the year before and they lost anyway. So just shove it. I don't want to hear the odds. Well, they they tell you something, but what's different? The mood is different. The odds aren't different. The mood is different. Like, I don't I don't want to I don't want to hear that. Everybody's going to be tighter and like the pressure is on over there to not lose in the second round. You know, to not lose to Kansas City again. It, it, it's just it's a diff- I think we're at a different place on the timeline that really changed that day when they lost to the Bengals. All right. To the Sabres. And their fun season. Edmonton, Connor McDavid and the Oilers make their annual visit tonight. Paul Hamilton will join me for a preview right after this. Bulldog back tomorrow. This is Mike Shope on WGR. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, Tax and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.